0: You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle.
1: Welcome back to another Thursday edition of Huddle Up, a football podcast. I'm Tony. I'm joined by Corey. Hi, Corey. What's up? Daniel's here, too. Welcome back, Daniel.
2: Hey, guys. We were, we've
1: were we been off, I think, a couple of weeks now. I had a lot going on, guys. Uh, the I know that at one point we brought up that I had, like, a tooth issue. I ended up getting all four wisdom teeth removed last Thursday, and it's really been a wild ride. So, sorry we haven't been back. We're back now. Um, and really, a lot's happened since we've been gone. Uh, football's – oh, by the way, subscribe to the podcast, please. We've been gone a couple of weeks, and and – It'll be exciting to see how many come back because we have been gone. But please, tell somebody about the podcast if you like it and if you enjoy it. It is a regular thing. Subscribe means a bunch to us. Uh, We're on Apple and uh, Spotify, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Anyway, football facilities are beginning to open, I think, June 1st. I saw New York. I think Florida. I think Texas is opening. Did you guys see others? The Ravens. The Ravens are opening June 1st.
0: Uh, aren't the Colts opening soon?
1: The Colts have started like a semi. They're, they're doing like a soft open. Marion County's in a different situation than the rest of Indiana, so they're doing like a really slow burn to get into things where non-essential, like essential personnel, and they're doing um, like half staff. Like they can't have the 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 normal. They're just basically easing into this. But yeah, the Colts are are getting back into it. Players still can't go into team facilities unless they're doing like medical rehab. So. Players still aren't involved, but they're getting there. And, yes, the Colts are getting there. But I did see that Baltimore was coming back. That's, in, that's exciting. Teams are selling tickets, too. I saw the, the Colts have been all over Facebook selling tickets, and it's kind of been like it's been sad. I always click on the comments on Facebook, and everybody's so negative about there not being a season. I'm telling you, though, I think there's going to be a season. I think we're going to have football, guys, and I think people are going to be there to watch it. The more I see things, I think that's going to happen.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, the NFL is so money hungry that football is going to happen. There's a, they just can't they can't do without it. If you know, worst worst case scenario, the NFL like starts a war with the United States and just takes over America so they can just play football. They're they're going to find a way to get it done.
1: I don't know if war against the United States is a winning recipe. Um, I agree with the sentiment though. Here's the reality. I don't know. I'm not an expert on the collective bargaining agreement, but I know for sure that if the NFL doesn't have any games this year, they still have to play the, pay the players. Like, that's part of the rules. If, you, if they just don't do the games, the players still get the contracts that they were, they were owed. I, I mean, that's significant, guys. And then we think about, I mean, here's what has to happen. We have to get to a point where the teams can have a football game that can be televised. That's really the bare minimum here we don't have to fill the stadium as much as, as much as that would hurt the, I mean, the TV money is, is real. That's that's enough money to keep the league afloat for a year. And I think that we're going to get there by August. I think or if it's not August, here's what's interesting. The league has talked about contingency plans already. They've talked about moving week one to week 18, week two to week 19. They're fully prepared for there to be a delay in this. And would it shock me if the first four or five weeks of the season were without fans? I guess it wouldn't shock me. I, I guess I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of months. Maybe we need to mo- know more information. I don't think it would shock me, but there's going to be football. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be football. It's going to be televised and we're going to be watching football. There's no way around it. I'm hundred percent convinced. What do
2: you think, Daniel? I mean, I guess we'll just, it's kind of a wait and see, obviously. But um, like Corey said, I think the NFL is too money hungry. They saw the reports about how much the ncaa lost which is not even a professional sport and they have a lot riding on it so i think they'll do everything in their power to try and make it happen um yeah i I wouldn't be shocked if you start the season different than how we end it like you're saying as well
1: yeah i think that's i think that's the worst case scenario is if we have to ease into this thing just like we're easing into everything else i mean come on if if we decide that that's that that's the safest way to do it, it's not so bad. I would rather have football some football than than no football at all. so I'm excited I think I think there is going to be football. I think that that things are trending in the right direction so that that's great that's great and that's just really great now throughout this time, what's been interesting to me is there have been people who even I was guilty of this. With everything going on, I missed out like in real time that Peyton Barber went to Washington. And Daniel actually brought that to my attention. But that's not unusual. Yeah. And, and no, I appreciate it, Daniel. I really do because yeah. I missed it. I mean, I just I just flat out was not paying attention and I and I missed it. And I pay a lot of attention. So this is what's this is gonna be an interesting year for people who do pay attention because there's so much information that's happened so quietly so many tr- so many signings so many trades i mean in the real life nfl the draft i mean a lot of people paid attention to the draft but then there's been no training camp there's been no real offseason. and so all of the normal hype that would be driving certain players in a certain direction it's just kind of like it's all on pause and i think this is going to be a really interesting year for very savvy very savvy fantasy gamers to, to exploit good value and to get out of, get out of overvalued players and to, to buy players that don't have the common, what's the, what am I trying to say? The, to buy players who don't have, what am I trying to say? The hype? The hype. Yeah, to capitalize on the hype or the lack of hype. Yes. So, today, let's talk about players who are overvalued, who are undervalued. Daniel, you have played Dynasty for quite some time. So who's a player that you're buying right now? Who 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 do you think that the rest of the crowd isn't paying attention to, or or maybe they haven't paid attention to the players around this guy? Who is one guy that you're targeting right now?
2: Uh, I've got a few different guys here, um, and we'll probably end up covering covering all of them. But I'll start with a guy that I really like. Uh, his name is Darius Slayton. Uh, he's a wide receiver for the New York Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones came in last year as a rookie quarterback, uh, showed immediate rapport with Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones. He, I mean, usually you look for flashes when you're a rookie quarterback and, you know, signs that he's the, he's the future. I think he really is the future. I think he's a very good quarterback. Um, and he's only going to keep progressing. They went through the entire draft process and they had 10 draft picks. And they didn't spend a single one on an offensive skill position player. So that means they had obviously they have a lot of needs and they spent a lot of draft capital on defense, which they really needed, but that means they also thought that they were set. They liked their guys. And you know, they have they have Sterling Shepherd, they have Golden Tate, and Darius Slayton looked like the best one on the team. Um they have a healthy Saquon coming into this year. He got a high ankle sprain last year and it always sucks when that happens because guys they feel like they're they're healed up and they try to rush it back and they always it always ends up lingering. Alvin Kamara had the same issue last year. He just couldn't get on the field as a healthy player. But you saw at the end of the year what Saquon did with that offense at the at the end of the year. I mean, he was a league winner last year because he finally was healthy Saquon again. So can you imagine how that offense is going to click with a healthy Saquon? A healthy Evan Ingram, as rare as it is, well, both those guys back. Gary Slayton last year as a rookie went forty eight catches for seven hundred and forty yards and eight touchdowns. And you know I talked about flashes. What was that he had say two that, games
1: say that stat line again?
2: Forty eight catches for seven hundred and forty yards and eight touchdowns.
1: Okay, go ahead. I'm going to do the math on that, though. That sounds like an outlier.
2: Well, you know, we look for flashes. Um, you know, especially when you when you have a guy that's so young and hasn't learned the offense all the way. He came in as a fifth round pick. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to judge a guy. You know, on the field, you're kind of just looking for signs. Like, does he pass the eye test? Uh, mostly, and he definitely did. He had two different games with over 120 yards and two touchdowns. He was, he was great. He led the team in receiving yards and touchdowns as a rookie. What do you think his ceiling is?
1: You, you, you got me interested now because the stat line has me questioning you. what What's his ceiling? So I don't know where he finished in fantasy last year, and I don't think that's too important. I guess it would be nice to know, but I'm not going to like hold you to it because I just turned this on you, but 84 targets. What do you think his ceiling is in targets? How many targets do you think he can get?
2: His ceiling? What did he have last year, 84, he said?
1: 84, that was his target number, yes.
2: Gotcha. Well, he didn't play the first two games. Um, he had a rough start. Um, I was reading back into training camp. Uh, he was drafted in the fifth round, so it's kind of sketchy anyway. You know, him... Coming in, everybody said, We'll see if he could make the roster, you know, those kind of comments when you're drafted so late.
1: Yeah.
2: And, you know, they had Cody, Cody Latimer on the team. Um, another guy, Corey Coleman, they had him on the team. He immediately beat them out. I mean, so he didn't even start till week three. Um, he didn't really have, I'm looking at his stats right now, he didn't really have, I mean, it took till week six for him to get about five targets. I think his ceiling on targets is, you know, in the 120 range. If you're talking about a ceiling, if you're talking about the number one on your team on an offense that should get better, I think a good ceiling is 120. So, I mean, I would stat him for easily over a 1,000. a 1,000 yards, double-digit touchdowns. I mean, when you lead the team in reception yards and touchdowns as a rookie, and you're a fifth-round wide receiver, and you don't even play the first couple weeks, and you're just easing your way into the offense, learning the playbook, you're pretty good.
1: Okay, so when I look at his 16-game pace from week 6 to week 17, so that's when you said you had noted that's the first time he got above five targets. Yep, He was on pace for 105 targets, 848 yards, and 10 touchdowns. You would said double-digit touchdowns. You said you could project, project him for 1,000 yards. I think that's fair. Your assessment, it all adds up. I mean, it makes sense if he continues where he left off you might be right. And what does it cost you? What does it cost you to get this guy?
2: I guess it depends on kind of like what you said, who's paying attention, who's not paying attention. Um, his ADP in our dynasty startup, he actually went early. Um, cause I was wanting him and he, I was even going to take him early and he went in the seventh round. Um, so.
1: So you're saying a seventh round pick in a startup.
2: Yeah, seventh round pick in a startup, but that was high. That's where he went, and that was high according to the ADP, which is the average draft position of all these other leagues. So in other leagues, he is going. I mean, I've seen him mocked in the tenth round even. So when you're looking at guys that are completely overlooked, he's in that category.
1: Okay, I'm with you. He's overlooked. Corey, who have you got? Who's overlooked?
0: I like Real quick, I like Darius Slate, and I like uh, Daniel Jones. I liked him before he was drafted, so I do like that pick, Daniel. Daniel. Um, I went with Devontae Parker. He went in the seventh round in our draft. The problem with Devontae, I was just kind of looking through, is he's 27 years old, so he's kind of blossoming late, but he's always kind of had that star talent. <clears throat> um, but what I love about Devontae right now is he's getting to a Tiger Viola who I think is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, I I just think he's going to be really good. And I was looking at Devontae's stats last year. It was really his breakout season. And he had some like superstar stat lines. I mean, week 11, 135 yards. 13 in Philadelphia, 150 yards. And he had a few more 100-yard games. <clears throat> I just think it's time for him to break out. The only problem is with uh, Dynasty. I don't. He he is getting a little bit older. He's getting close to thirty, so I don't know how long he'll last. But I do think with Tua, uh, he's got a few good years ahead of him. Maybe even more if he can solidify his spot in that offense. But I do like Devontae Parker a lot. Um, if you just look at his game log, a ton of targets. Uh, it looks like over half the season he was getting about ten targets a game. So. I think the production's coming, especially if two is going to be taking over that offense. What do you think, Daniel?
2: I'm actually going to counter you on this because he was actually in my overvalued section. Um, so I am going to put him in the dynasty or fantasy sell list. Um, and I'll tell you why um, you mentioned him being a five-year pro which I mean him being he came out when he was twenty two he came out of college when he was twenty two and that's that, that that's fine that's about the average age but it did take him so long to to break out I know he's on a bad team um, but I just I am not sold on Devontae Parker. When you said, when you said, look at his game log, I mean, you're right. He, he won people leagues because he went undrafted. He was undrafted in almost every single league out there. Um, in redraft leagues. And he, and this game log is, is, super impressive. I mean, looking at PPR points, I mean, you can just start at week four, 17, 11, 16, 11, 15, 11, 20. 15, 34. And then the championship weeks leading up 23, 22, 21. I mean, he's light out. I totally agree. Guess how many, and this is trivia for you guys without, without cheating, without looking, how many touchdowns did Devontae Parker have the previous two seasons combined? Four. 40.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, it's seven.
2: Two ah, combined. I was
1: thinking two per Com- year. No, it's not. It's worse than that. <laughs> listen, 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 it listen. Was- he played on the Dolphins. Give him a break. That was, was a terrible oh, time okay, for that okay. franchise. Come on.
2: Okay, okay. I also have someone else that I was going to talk about that kind of leads into why I think Devontae Parker is a sell. Okay, and go ahead. Court, you, mentioned, you, you mentioned Tua. I think Tua is a negative for Devontae Parker. By the time Tua gets up to speed, which I don't think will take that long, I think Tua is going to be good. But, I mean, Devontae Parker's going to be 29, 30, like you said. I mean.
0: Wait. You think it's going to take Tua two years to get up to speed?
2: I mean, it's going to take normal rookies about two years to get fully up to speed. I mean, not everybody patting home is the league. You know, usually on their second year, you know, we talk about the sophomore either you're going to slump or improve kind of thing. I mean, look at guys like Baker Mayfield, um, Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, I'm just kind of naming names of recent guys. I mean, they they still have played two years and still aren't all the way up to speed. Uh,
0: so it could happen. So here's my thing about that is I, I think Tua's at a much higher level than those guys when they came into the league. You, and we've talked about this before Two I think Tua would have been number one overall, hands down, if he'd never gotten hurt. They were talking about him being a generational talent before he got hurt and Joe Burrow showed up. I just think, I think Tua is different. I think, I think Tua is going to be arguably a superstar as soon as he comes into the league if he's healthy and he can play. And I, I just don't see why he couldn't give Devontae the same production. I, I think coming into the league right now, he's a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick, no doubt. And just from day one, so I don't see that being a fault at all.
2: I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. His name is Preston Williams. When Preston Williams started last year, he was a rookie. He's bigger than Devontae Parker. He's faster than Devontae Parker. When I mean, we're talking about Devontae Parker's stats last year. Crazy good year. Nine touchdowns, and then looking at the game log, crazy, crazy good. Preston Williams made him look like the two. He only had four touchdowns until Preston Williams got hurt. When Preston Williams was in there, he was the X receiver. Preston Williams made Josh Rosen look good. And Devontae Parker needs to be the only option on that team for him to do this. For, for him to break out. I think he is a great talent now. But it kind of came out of nowhere, and everyone's kind of like, oh, Is it going to continue? And I'm on the edge of it's not going to continue, and then you should sell him now. I did sell him. You have a guy that was. I did
1: sell him now. I agree. I agree with both of your points. Corey, you're absolutely right. Devontae, wasn't he a first round draft pick? Like mid first? Uh, one or two. I think he was a first round pick. I, don't, I guess I don't know. Yeah, that he for was. Sure.
2: Came out with Teddy Bridgewater. He yeah. was Teddy Bridgewater's number one receiver I mean, in college.
1: Listen, this guy's the real deal. I'm not. I am not going to be dogging Devontae Parker. And you know what? He scored me a whole bunch of points. He's one of those players that I thought was really undervalued last year. And you know what? I do think that he might be overvalued this year because because of that late season push. I was going to make the same argument about A.J. Brown. We talked about this before the show. And then I looked at A.J. Brown's stats over the last six games and and Ryan Tannehill's over the last six games. And I, it was – when I saw that, it, it kind of destroyed my argument. But the more I hear about Devontae Parker, I do think that it it may be another flash in the pan. I, I I just, the more I think about this, I don't know that this is a long-term success for him because he is still on the Dolphins. And there, there is still not, I mean, that's, that organization's got a long way to go still. I like them. I think they could rival for the division, but that doesn't mean that I think they're like a fantasy powerhouse. I don't know. I don't know. I I agree with both your points though, and I, and Corey, you're absolutely right. I think in 2019 he was horribly, horribly undervalued, and and for the the people who held him for what three years, four years, they were they were finally rewarded. I don't know though, man. I just I don't, I I think he's I think he's overvalued this year. That's what I think. I just sold him. I just traded him away. Did I tell you about that? No. Yeah, I traded him. For Ronald Jones and a 2021 second round pick, and I'm pumped about it.
0: Well, we'll agree to disagree. I think if you're if you're playing fantasy and you like Tua a lot, I think you should like Devonte Parker. But there's people who don't, and no,
2: I like him. I like him. I don't. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think I think you should like Devontae Parker if you're if you're a Tua fan. I just happen to in dynasty format. It's a little different. I think Preston Williams is going to thrive because he's 23, two is super young. If If you're talking about which one I'd rather have for now in addition to the long-term, I think you get the full package with Preston Williams.
0: And I I like Preston Williams too.
2: Yeah, I was just looking at Preston Williams' stats. And again, Josh Rosen played in, I think, three full games uh, for the Dolphins. Uh, the past last year, and I'm looking at Preston Williams' fantasy points, which is kind of what this is all about. He had one game with less than eight. This is as a rookie, just kind of coming in. and He's you know only getting five, six targets for a little bit, and in the game that he got hurt which he tore his ACL, which really sucks. Which is also why he's one of my buys. At Preston Williams is because people may have forgotten about it. He got hurt in Week Nine, and we haven't seen Preston Williams on the field since Week Nine. But the game that he got hurt, he was five for seventy-two with two touchdowns and just tearing up the Jets. And it's really unfortunate that he has a torn ACL already under his belt this early in his career. But um, yeah, I, I'm not doubting Devontae Parker's ability to probably have another great year under Tua. Uh, but there's going to be some bumps with him coming in Tua because um, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be this year. Corey, do you think Devontae is gonna have a better next year than he will this year? Or do you believe that much in Tua to where you think there kind of won't be that much of a fall off?
0: I think in year one, I think Tua could elevate Devontae Parker if he's the same player. That's gonna just be just a tough he's better, match.
2: He's like we're looking at those stats. But that's that's gonna be tough to sustain with
0: with that. Sure. Yeah. We disagree, huh?
1: So, an overvalued player. I wrote down an undervalued, and I didn't... I don't think I did my undervalued yet, so I'm going to. But we just did our startup in the Listener League. And the whole way through... We talked about this last episode, so I don't want to go too far. But Kenyon Drake was 43rd overall. And he. I believe that Kenyon Drake has no obstacles in the path to touches and the path to a role. I believe that Kenyon Drake is the least expensive. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think Kenyon Drake is going to be a workhorse running back. I think he's the least expensive workhorse running back in the league. And I think everybody has been sleeping. I slept too long. I slept into the third round and that's why they got taken from me. But honest to God, if you took Kenyon Drake in the second round, I wouldn't be upset at you. If you, I mean in the second round of a dynasty startup, if you took Kenyon Drake Late, I mean, let's say, okay, come on, let's, let's, I'm going to be reasonable here. After the, after the perennials, the guys that we know a lot more about, the high floors, I believe that Kenyon Drake's floor is enormous and his ceiling is astronomical. I believe it's one of the, it could be one of the most high powered offenses in 2020. And, and he doesn't have to spend that. He is not a victim of the current pandemic. He's been given DeAndre Hopkins to draw coverage out of the box. He's been given everything that he needs, and he was not given competition. And so Kenyon Drake, to me, is a clear, clear. And you know what? I should stop talking about it. I'm going to go get Kenyon Drake in every single fantasy league that I'm in, and I'm probably willing to pay the moon for it. I really do believe he's got a clear path to touches. There's no competition. The offense is better than it was last year, and it was already pretty good last year. And I think Kyler Murray is the next Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. I really do think that. So he's in the absolute best situation, and he's being drafted in the fourth or fifth rounds of Dynasty Startups. What is going on,
2: people? Yeah, I think that uh, him being coached under Adam Gates is still haunting. Uh, Kenyon Drake's (laughs) draft capital. Um, Adam Gates, I don't know how that guy still has a job in the NFL as a head coach. I don't know how he's not some low-tier level assistant because when you're a head coach, you try to get the most out of your players, and Kenyon Drake has always been a very good talent. I was watching highlights of Kenyon Drake in college, and he looked great. This was just the other day, and I was thinking, man, and the Dolphins have sucked for years. If you're Adam Gase and actually care about your job at all, there was a couple games where they had to play Kenyon Drake only. And he looked fantastic. And his receiving skills, his rushing skills. I mean, and on a bad team. He looked great. And then guess what? The next game he was practically benched. I mean, I I, I, I don't get it. I feel like the hype any hype around Kenyon Drake is much deserved because you finally let the reins off of this guy. He's been in the league for four years. And we're finally about to see what Kenyon Drake can do as a number one string running back on a great team. And I think it's going to be exciting.
0: I like Drake in that offense, too. They just added Hopkins, Kyler Murray. You know, I love Kyler Murray. Um, they've got some young wide receivers. It's, I think it's just the perfect cocktail for success. He's a bit—he's six one. I just had it pulled up. Six one, two twenty, 220, something like that. He's a big guy. He's going to be able to take the hits. Um, I do like him a lot. I think he can be productive down there. And what you said, Tony, about him being a workhorse, I think that could definitely be the case. And I think a guy like um, Kingsbury can get the most out of him. Um, I like it a lot.
1: Corey, did you do your overvalued yet?
0: I do have an overvalued. I have one more undervalued I can throw in real quick is Hayden. uh, Hayden Hurst. There there aren't really stats to back it up because Mark Andrews kind of overpowered him in that Baltimore offense. Mark Andrews was a was a third round pick and just kind of outplayed Hayden Hurst. But you got to remember Hayden Hurst was a first round guy and that can happen sometimes in the NFL. Maybe you know they pick somebody a little bit later. He just meshes a little bit better. But the Falcons picked him up to be their tight end one since Hooper's gone. So I could see a big year out of Hayden Hurst. Um, I'm trying to remember where I drafted him here in the 13th round, uh, which I think is great value for a number one tight end in an offense with a pretty good quarterback and Matt Ryan. So I like Hayden Hurst. What do you guys think about Hayden?
2: I love that. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. He was completely overlooked. Um, pretty sad when you have a, the same position guy drafted later than you and you, you hardly see the field because he's, he, seemingly better but if you go back and look at college highlights with Hayden Hurst in South Carolina in college he was great I mean he was number one on a lot of draft boards going into that NFL draft I mean the guy's really talented he doesn't really have a glaring weakness I mean he's a decent blocker um, great receiving tight end I mean he still showed flashes you know, I think he had like I was watching one game he had like a 60 or 70 yard touchdown where he just completely outran both safeties, caught it through the middle. Um, and then, you know, you're thinking, well, that's, that's the reason they drafted him in the first round. So much like King and Drake, I'm glad that the reins are going to be finally off of uh, Hayden Hurst. so We can see what he's made of, but yeah, that was, that was a great pick. I like that one a lot. He,
0: he's 26. That's usually when tight ends kind of show up, uh, you think of guys like Darren Waller, he's kind of he kind of showed up out of nowhere. I think he was twenty-seven last year. So he's kind of like right in that prime for a tight end to kind of pop up and make put up, you know, put up some big numbers. Um, you asked me my overvalued. I picked Kareem Hunt. Um in our startup. He went in the sixth round where you're still drafting starters. Um and he's a backup to Nick Chubb. Now, I, I think I had him last year in a redraft league and I did like his production late in the year. But I was looking at his stats. He had 197 rushing yards through eight games, which is not strong at all. Um, he had some touchdowns in there that helped him, but I just think for the six rounds sitting behind Chubb, you're I think you're leaning on an injury there. And we've talked about it before, the running back position. Yeah, he had a couple good seasons in Kansas City, but they, you know, running backs can show up and disappear just about as quick as you get them. So I just for Cream Hunt that early, I just I I can't see that.
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of what you said. Um, the what if? You know, he's twenty four. He was at one point one of the best running backs in the league. Um, everything shifted. Obviously, we all know what happened, and you know he got cut, found a new life in Cleveland. But he's still getting into trouble. That's the thing I don't get. When a guy like that gets a second chance, and guys before him never even got close to a second chance, he should feel a lot more lucky than he is. Um, but he's still getting into trouble, which I I will never understand. So he was completely off my board. I mean, if you look if you look at how I drafted, I was a couple picks before him. And I took a rookie running back that's probably like a second or third stringer that we have no clue about. Before I took Kareem Hunt, he was completely off my board. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it either. Um, I think it's, I think it's leaning on the what if he did have. You know, we're in a full PPR league, so you know every league is different. But he did have some decent reception numbers. Um, He was suspended the majority of last season, but if you look at his reception numbers going into the games that he played he's definitely carved out a role Um, so even though he is the backup he does still have a role Nick Chubb still catches some passes but I think we might see Kareem Hunt eat more into Nick Chubb than we like Um, I'd like to see uh, Nick Chubb be a total workhorse but when Kareem Hunt is getting seven catches six five eight I mean, those are those are games he had, and those are actual catches. Those aren't even targets.
1: I tried so, to tell you this, um, and you you preached to me how much you love Nick Chubb. I tried to tell you this. What are you talking about? Are you afraid of Kareem Hunt?
2: I'm not afraid of Kareem Hunt. Well, you much sound much afraid of. You
1: do sound afraid of him.
2: No, no. I sounds Nick way. Chubb. If it wasn't for bad coaching, would have beat out Derrick Henry and had the rushing title in the NFL last year, and. I think top five in total overall staff is running back with Kareem Hunt there week 10 on week 10 on. But yeah, I, I'm not scared of Kareem Hunt. If I'm a Nick Chubb owner, fire him up.
1: Cool. So no, it sounds like we all agreed with the, the Kareem Hunt thing. Yeah. I think Kareem Hunt's overvalued too. And I, I look through here, I'm looking through sleeper ADP right now. My, my trouble is, I guess my trouble right now is that I don't want to I don't want to have a hot take for no reason, but DJ Moore scares the crap out of me at 16 overall. The there are people that I really admire in the in the fantasy football community that really like DJ Moore. And I want to respect that. I want to follow that. You know, it's served me well. But at the same time, this does not make sense, guys. This does not make sense. It's a new offense all the way around. And Robbie Anderson's not some like Big deal. Like, I'm not pretending that Robbie Anderson is a threat to DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore is a better wide receiver than Robbie Anderson. That's what I'm trying to say. But the fact remains that now DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel, who I was a huge fan of just six months ago. Six months ago, I paid a whole lot in a, in a Dynasty League to get a hold of some Curtis Samuel. But now here we got these three wide receivers. Plus we have Christian McCaffrey, by the way, who's a wide receiver of his own. I mean, that's, yeah, we have to talk about that. He's like, I didn't, I don't have a stats in front of me, but I would be willing to guarantee that he has top end wide receiver one stats. I mean.
2: Yeah. I mean, high draft capital. So he was drafted super early in the actual NFL draft.
1: What are you talking about? DJ? Moore? Um, yeah. The, the draft capital thing. Is something that's so far off my radar at this point because I look at all the draft capital around him. And then, cu- coupled with a rookie quarterback, coupled with a pandemic that stops them from practicing together, I think that people are going to be really hurt on DJ Moore this year. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, there are too many, too many little things stacked up against DJ Moore for me to spend a, what is that? What, what did I say he was? Like, middle of the second round. He's your, he's your wide receiver one. Do you want D.J. Moore to be your wide receiver one?
2: It would be a little iffy. Uh, He's super young, super talented. Look at his stats last year. Look at D.J. Moore's stats last year, and then tell me who his quarterback was. He had, he got put through the ringer last year. Okay, he had Kyle Allen most of the year, which at one point people were thinking, man, maybe this is the future at quarterback for the Panthers. That quickly ended he is terrible. He just signed like a second or third string backup deal because he knew that's all that he could get. And he had Will Greer throwing to him a couple of those weeks too. I mean, he looked dominant. That's the thing. That's why he's going that high. That's why his ADP is there. He's 23 years old. He was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft and he's putting up games like nine for 120 seven for 108 six for 126 and two touchdowns eight for 113 all with terrible quarterbacks through the office with the offense was focused around Christian McCaffrey he was still doing this in games well here's the problem he, he was very 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 quiet
1: I'm looking here at one two three four five six seven eight of his six Eight of his 16 games last year, he missed one. He missed, he was not active week 17. Eight of his 16 games last year, he had double digit targets. Some of them as the 15, I mean, 14, 15, 12, 12. I mean, Daniel, I just, I agree with you. He's a yards per catch monster. I mean, the man is, is a physical. Freak, I I don't I don't I'm not saying I don't like DJ Moore, and I'm not saying I don't want DJ Moore on my foot on my fantasy football team. I'm just saying, I think we have to pump the brakes here because there's a whole lot of things that are going to change. There's a whole lot of more talent involved now in Carolina. I mean I mean I just don't see it happening. Where like Devonte Parker for me, it's the same argument as Devonte Parker. Except I do think that. DJ Moore is a much better talent than Devonte Parker. But I, do, I don't see it continuing. I don't see a way for him to get 15 targets a game under Teddy Bridgewater. It's just a different situation. That that That's that's it for me. And, and so maybe if we're talking buy-sell, I'm not saying I don't want to have DJ Moore on my team, but I am definitely shopping him. I want to get him off my team if I can get somebody to pay more than what I really think he's worth. That's what I'm trying to say.
2: That's what it's all about. If you can, if you can flip someone even before, you know, they, they completely break out and they're still young, you know, you have to, you have to weigh the options here. You could, you could tell yourself, you know, I've got three or four more solid years of a wide receiver one here, or I could return the value right now and get a lot more than he's worth. And a lot of times trading them is the better option because sustaining is hard, um, especially with so much so many differences. Matt Rule coming in, they have a different coach. He may try to change things up. You know how I feel about Teddy Bridgewater. But I think, I think DJ Moore is going to withstand Teddy Bridgewater. And if he has bad games, just because of what he did last year.
1: Yeah. Well, he's an elite talent. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not dogging him. I'm not dogging him. I'm not dogging him. I'm just saying. I think that that draft capital at the 16th overall pick. I
0: mean, come on. It's a, a lot.
1: I mean, that's a lot. a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I- <laughs>
0: I liked him last year. Uh, Tony, you might remember this. I stole him from somebody in our redraft league at work. Yeah, I do remember that. I, I traded, because he had a bunch of targets, but he didn't really have the production yet. And I traded like Adrian Peterson yeah. for him. And DJ Moore was my wide receiver too for the rest of the season, and it was awesome. But with that being said, I don't think he's worth a second-round pick. Like, he was taken ahead of Mike Evans, Smith Schuster, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, there's there's a lot of value there. You just... I don't think that's a for-sure pick there. I think there's more for-sure answers behind DJ Moore there. Um, yeah, I've, there's better options. Like Julio Jones went behind DJ Moore. I mean, Julio's getting old, but you know, you know what you're going to get out of uh, Julio Jones. So it's, it's a gamble for sure. Who, who's left?
2: Uh, one guy that I think is being potentially very overvalued. And it's weird because a guy like this that usually changes teams, Sometimes the value goes the opposite direction. But Stephon Diggs, I think, is being very overvalued. Um, last year with the Vikings, which the Vikings, they're a run first team. Um, but Kirk Cousins, he he threw a lot last year. But the problem that I have with Stephon Diggs is Thielen, mm-hmm. Adam Thielen was out almost all year. And because he kept having an aggravated hamstring injury, Stefan Diggs, he had a game where he had three touchdowns in a game. It looked amazing. And he finished with six total on the year. He seems to be very inconsistent. He's injured a lot. Um, it seems like every other week we're wondering, is Stefan Diggs going to finish the game um he's still twenty six, so I think if I had him on my team, I would be trying to trade him ASAP. He's gotten a lot of hype because the Bills didn't have a clear number one wide receiver, and a lot of people thought that they would address that in the draft, which they did not. And then they trade for Stephon Diggs who comes over. He's getting a lot of hype, but I think he is an absolute sell for me. Um, he's had a Enough stats to where people think that he is an elite talent. And I think he is if he's not injured. And he's just injured far too often. He's been in the league five years. Um, He's never really had one of those seasons to where we're like, oh, man, yeah, no doubt, absolutely elite. I mean, 2018 was probably the closest um, where he shared the field with Thielen. So he wasn't necessarily the dominant number one option on the team, but he shared the field with Phelan all year long, finished with nine touchdowns, which is more than he has ever had. Um, but I, I think Stephon Diggs is, is a way overvalued at this point. Corey, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think
0: Corey's uh, going to like this one. Oh, yeah, I agree he's overvalued. And I guess where we would disagree just a little bit is – I don't think he's an elite talent. I think he's just an above average athlete who's had a pretty productive career. And I think going to Buffalo in a colder environment with less offensive weapons around him, I think he's going to struggle a lot. I think he could have a terrible season just because I don't think he has the talent to just make it happen. Um, Like a guy like, just for example, Antonio Brown, that dude's talented. He could be productive anywhere, but I don't think Stefan Diggs has that in him. And when he, I think going from Cousins to Josh Allen is a downgrade. Um, I think Josh Allen has a lot of talent, but I just think that his style, unless he can get, unless he can turn into Tyreek Hill, I just don't think his style is going to mesh very well. Because, I mean, who do they have on the other side? Is it John Brown? Is there anybody else?
1: Cole Beasley. And don't forget about Cole Beasley. Don't, don't Cole Beasley's old? Stop. He's he's fine. Cole Beasley's fine as a slot receiver.
0: Come on, <laughs> but, old. Come on. But I mean, who's on? The, is it John Brown on the he other side? It's
1: John Brown. Cole Beasley's old. Okay, I get it. I feel
0: I like it. I feel like John Brown and Stefan Diggs are the same guy. If John Brown was at the Vikings for the first five years of his career, he we'd be having <laughs> the same conversation. You know, I just I, I don't think it's gonna work.
1: I don't know if it's going to work and I'm I'm concerned about targets again for me that for me that's I, I kind of agree with you that I was trying to buy Stefan Diggs six months ago and I'm glad I never got him because now here I'm in a position where you're right Corey John Brown and Stefan Diggs aren't that far apart now you're wrong Corey Stefan Diggs is an elite talent I do think he is he's one of the best route runners in football there's no doubt in my mind about that but you are right when you say he's with Josh Allen, and that's a downgrade. Josh Allen can throw it on the moon, but he can't hit the broad side of a barn. So all the route running in the world, really, it doesn't help. I mean, if the ball can't get to him.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a different style of quarterback. Cousins is more of a, he's going to hit you on the route where Josh Allen's going to make a... You know, he's going to make that awesome pass down field kind of like Mahomes does, but it's like every once in a while because yeah. he has that arm, which I, I don't think it means he can't become that, but it's just different. It's a different I'm concern too.
2: I agree. You got
0: anything else, Daniel?
2: Well, here's the math, Tony. I did the math. You're concerned about targets. That was a point that I was about to make. So, you know, we mentioned Josh Allen and that offense. That's just a different offense. I mean, they both run first, the Vikings and the Bills, but the Bills, that's how they want to win the football game. The Vikings went out, and they sought out Kirk Cousins. They paid him a ton of money to come in and and throw the ball when they needed to. The Bills would rather win a game with Josh Allen throwing 15 times. They, they are trying to build this dominant defense, which they will have, by the way. Very good defense, and it keeps getting better. They had a great draft on defense. But Josh Allen averaged 28 attempts per game last year which in a passing league, that's pretty low. Okay, so I mentioned that Adam Thielen was hurt all year last year, and we're talking about target share. Target share in Minnesota, okay, last year with Adam Thielen out almost all year. So it, it it's a number that can't be sustained even. I'm going to use that number even because I'm going to make this point. Stefan Biggs had a 21% target share, 21.9, so we can round off to 22 in Minnesota last year, which he's not going to get in Buffalo, I understand. But even at that number, he's getting five point eight targets a game. Even with a even if he's an elite talent, even if he is the best route runner in the league, you're not going to return value at five point eight targets a game. Yeah, it's not enough.
1: It's not enough. So we should all sell Stefan Dakes.
2: For sure. Anybody else? I've got one for you, Tony. Okay, I'm this ready. Is my last one. Amari Cooper. You're selling him? You're talking about a guy. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Why okay, why wouldn't I sell Amari Cooper when he is taken as the seventeenth overall player in the NFL? Seventeenth overall.
1: Where does he rank in a dynasty startup? Where does that rank among wide receivers?
2: One, two, three, four, six. So, things that you could say to a potential buyer, which in this case, if I had Amari Cooper, I'd be selling it to you ASAP.
1: I'm not buying him now that I know that already. I I already know that I don't want to buy him. I'm not buying him at one Uh, receiver six value. No, you're right. I agree with you.
2: Yeah. So, he's 25 years old. He was just a year fresh off the best passing offense in the league. That, I mean, that right there. Would, would give someone chills, but guess what? He's still boom-bust. He disappears. He he doesn't show up in games that he should. I mean, he, he did the same thing in Oakland. I made a big argument when he was in Oakland that he was the number two the whole time he was there. Michael Crabtree made Amari Cooper, young, good, super talented Amari Cooper, the number two option in Oakland. They just drafted C.D. Lamb this year. Michael Gallup is good. Blake Jarwin is an up-and-coming, very good talent. He's getting up there. He, he He's about to go into Corey, kind of what you talked about, the window of opportunity for tight ends. They're learning the offense. This is Blake Jarwin's time. You'll see, an, you'll see an increase in Blake Jarwin's stats this year, I promise. They're getting Zeke more involved in the passing game. We're talking about targets not being able to go around for the Bills. I mean, the Cowboys just keep adding offensive talent. Yeah, there's not going to be enough to go around with Amari Cooper when he disappears in games that you need him. Yeah, it's true. If you, if you, if you and he gets hurt, all the time
1: he does get hurt. He does if disappear you, when he's healthy. He disappears. And you're right. It was the yeah. it was the highest passing. Off. It was the highest highest most powerful offense in the league in 2019. And you're right. You're right. And he's being drafted at what wide receiver six? You said. Yeah. It's time to sell Amari Cooper. It's time. You finally waited You talk long about out. a guy that
2: lost you. You talk about a guy that lost you your league last year. Oh, my gosh. In the playoffs, Weeks week 15 and 16, 2.9 fantasy points. This total, one catch for 19 yards. Week 15. Week 16, four catches for 24 yards against Philadelphia. Philadelphia. They had one of the worst secondaries in the entire NFL last year. If you had a game that you could bet Amari Cooper was going to show up and do something big, it was at Philadelphia. Are you kidding me? 12 targets, and he caught four for 24. That was his finishing stats.
1: I'll go back and watch that game. game. Yeah, I want to go back and watch that Philadelphia game.
2: Yeah, you should. Yeah, I, I hope. That he was hobbling around, hurt or something. What week was that?
1: Was that for the division?
2: He probably was. That was sixteen. Week yeah, that
1: 16. was for the division. That was all of it. Yeah, that was the end of
2: the yeah, road. That was all of it. That was that was super important game. That was for the division, and yeah, okay. that happened.
1: I'm gonna go back and watch it.
2: Mari Cooper overdrafted. He just signed a five-year, hundred million dollar deal. So if you're thinking dynasty, you could tell someone, you know, yeah, he'll be at, he'll be there for a while. I'm calling it right now. Two, in two years from now, Mari Cooper will not be a Dallas Cowboy.
0: You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay up. in the huddle. The huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three, three.